Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It is another wonderful installment, we hope, of the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Thank you all for listening. Let's get right into it. It's late in the evening. I'm going to make it try to be informative and quick. Gentlemen, how are you? Doing just fine. Doing well. What do you want to talk about? You want to talk about well, signing day yesterday? Yeah. We want to let's talk let's start with that, and then we move over to the basketball. All right, because, you know, that's that's your bailiwick on the football stuff there, college sports reporter. You well, let's see. No surprises, but uh, other than uh, Alabama finishes number one again, 27 signees. Uh, but what they did with that 27 was they had uh, five five-star, four-star athletes that they signed in this class. And Coach Saban is happy. Uh, the one thing that he mentioned uh, in the uh, post-interview, you know, guys were coming in that uh, were expected to compete and not just sit on the bench, uh, which is what he expects. LSU got their uh, defensive player uh, <clears throat> on yesterday. They signed 22. Florida State signed 28. A&M came in fourth, fifth, or sixth, depending on which um, outlet you you use as a uh, grade. But they got 22 guys. They filled some holes and all at the um, defense on the defensive side uh, because that's what they that's what they needed. Uh, and they also got a quarterback, uh, Kyle Allen. It helps. Tennessee uh, signed the most because they were needing everything. 35. Florida signed 24. Ohio State is starting to pull away from everybody else in the Big Ten. They signed 23. It's starting to look like an Urban Meyer type, uh, type of football team, and it's not going to be close. I think uh, if I had to pick a team that would to stay with them would be Nebraska only because of uh, – the schema that that uh, Bofalini uses is still not. Don't forget Michigan, Michigan State, though. Don't forget them. Well, that's true, but I'm I'm going off of what. what oh no, I'm not talking about just the recruiting rankings. I'm t- I'm talking about players. Oh yeah, I players, understand. coaching system, the whole the whole gamut. But like they the word gamut. Michigan, yeah, Michigan State has top twenty. And you know, and don't get me wrong. On, I'm just not that big on recruiting services. Because I mean, it, it's a it's a guide, it's a gauge, but you don't know what folks are looking at. You don't know what their agendas yeah, think, are. Think, at the end of the day, I think you're absolutely right. One thing I want to share now that you get back okay. showing the numbers, because I do think it's important to at least tell the data that's out there. But I agree with you, Chris, from the standpoint that re- what recruiting data has become, just like preseason polls and rankings. Correct. I do them, so I don't have any problem tearing them down. It's another component now that you really use more for marketing. Right. And branding your institution. Right. If we did it appropriately, the most we could do is really rank the teams four or five years down the road. But what fun is that? Right. If you can't get everybody hyped to sell promotion and and rank who is the top signing Mm -hmm. class, if you would. So it's another banner, another mechanism that sports has understood now. How do I market um, what I have? But. It is a way to data, and you have to find some way when we live in a place where measurements are everything. Yeah, and then the last three in the top ten, Auburn 20, signed 23, Georgia 21, and Miami uh, signed 26. 
highest ranking Big 12 team was uh, OU. OU. That's right. Oklahoma. They uh, when the uh, top 15, they uh, assigned 26 uh, UT situation. Uh, 16, far not too far behind. They signed 23, but the biggest signee of that, that group was, uh, uh, defensive. Puna, what's his name? Puna Ford. Puna Ford. <laughs> Player of the year, two, two years in a row. You know? Big, big time. And, yeah. and that kid, he. There was a hashtag on him, where's Puna going Wednesday? And that's because I know he was originally thing. headed to Louisville. I was watching it on, on my, my, uh, phone. Oh, yeah. At work. Yeah. Which is a big, uh, trip. And it'll be interesting to follow UT from the standpoint that we talked about from his initial right. coming into the program and signing and everything. He said, don't get caught up, as you talked about, Chris. Don't get caught up in these stalls. He said, I like to recruit players. And then he also mentioned the other thing that you talk about, star ratings, is oftentimes because, as I said, it's a marketing component that you'll see these stars start to slide. Right. Coach Northern the Prairie, you talked about today with his son in class, and I'll tie in to give the little HBCU component because we show love to everybody, and that's what we do. And that's particularly my expertise, that oftentimes what you'll find out with recruiting stars also is they'll slide based on who they're sliding with. And that's just the algorithm in terms of who they feel. If a big-time program gets a kid, he might become all of a sudden sliding from a two or three slide star. Excuse me, he might slide up a star, a star and a half. Mm-hmm. Versus if he goes to a program that is not as well branded, we will say, then he might slide a right. spot or two. When, as you talk about, a kid is what a kid is. If he hadn't played any more games, how did your stock rise up? Exactly. And then uh, next one on the agenda for Big Twelve was Baylor signed twenty three, Texas Tech signed twenty five, and West Virginia, West Virginia signed twenty one. Oh, you, hold your, hold your water there, sir. Okay. Okay. I know you're a college sports reporter and all, but also know two things. <laughs> what? You are hooty who, Mr. Rice Owl, and you've gone a <laughs> few minutes talking about all these other schools and haven't mentioned the Conference USA champion, Rice Owl. And I'm getting that. Let alone my alma mater, the University of Houston. Trust me, I'm, I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I'm getting that. I'm but, getting that. But go ahead. Trust me, I'm getting that. But you should have. I'm okay, definitely go ahead. getting that. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. A, I'm just talking. That's a Nashville. I want to throw you off. Let that go like that. Throw you off a little curve. <laughs> throw your curveball there. But go no, ahead, but sir. Go ahead. In the American, this is what the top ranking class in the American. Number, at number 52, UCF 17, 65, Cincinnati with 24. And here we go. Number 70, U of H 24. 24. 24 and 22 of those were in state. Right. Majority of them were in Houston. Right. Uh, and then 75 was SMU. They basically picked up Lamar. Right. We got about four, four or five kids, right, from Lamar? Oh, it, it, was at it, least. It, at least. Yeah. At least five, if I'm not mistaken. Then we get over to Conference USA. Uh, Rice signed 19. The biggest, the biggest signings of, of what they had on yesterday, four offensive linemen, averaging 6'6", 280. And they'll be ready to go. But the biggest kicker was the, the uh, Walter twins from out across it. Uh, they are between the two of those those kids. It was over fifteen thousand yards plus one hundred and fifty touchdowns between the two. Just between the two of those guys. What are they passing? Well, quarterback or quarterback? Uh, running back, receiver, athlete. Athlete. Flat out. Uh, I was told that 
They get him a playmaker out on the wing, and it's on. Speed. I saw a lot of speed in highlights. Um, the one good thing about yesterday, U of H made an effort. Now, was it that effort? Holds two out on the field. But right now, if I had to judge between the two, even though Rice is not ranked high, but those Crosby, uh, uh, the Walter Twins out from out of Crosby, I'm looking for something to happen. Now, uh, U of H did go big with uh, defense and offensive line because they needed to. They and, sure and, did. They uh, sure did. They went with big uh, big wide receivers and also definitely big DBs. Most, yeah, most of their signees, I think, were at least oh, six, six feet one, tall. Yeah, yeah. Six, six one. Um, and I think the average was around two ten or two twenty. That's huge. That's that's, that's good. That, that goes that goes against you know what they've been doing is you know small and steady. Now they're getting they're, you know, getting they're trying to compete with the in the act. Trust me, in the act, right? It's the act. As long as there is a Cincinnati and a UCL, yes, they need that. They need some size and some physical players and some speed to compete with those two guys in the act. But. Florida schools are going to catch them. Cincinnati is who, they are, who it is. I ain't worried about UCF. I ain't worried about those other people. No. I'm worried about my coaching staff at UVA. I got one more That's report, then I'll turn it over to, to Doc here about the uh, the uh, HBCU. HBU signed uh, 22. has the same number that they signed last year uh, for their initial group. Last year's group went 3-4. Uh, and four. DB Taryn Timmons. Is a Houston Chronicles top 100. Their first. Their first. Uh, they've signed three JUCOs, two defensive uh, players, uh, both of them alignment, and a, a one offensive alignment. They had four out of state: um, Tennessee, and uh, Oklahoma. Had Oklahoma had two, Tennessee had one, and Mississippi had one. They opened the season on September the 6th on campus with, the new, uh, with their new seating capacity. That'll be around about five, uh, 7,000. It'll be on the west end, the west side of the stadium. Now, the other set of twins, the Foreman twins, Armonte and Deontay, they're headed off to UT, and it'll be interesting how they get things done up there. Along with Mr. Bonnie. Now, that is going to be interesting. Because Mr. Bonnet, he, he plays smart. He doesn't get caught up in there. He gets back from Lamar. Yeah, and he's big. And he had offers from everywhere, Stanford and all kinds he of still, He took all his visits. Uh, and and it, it became a story the last few days. Only because he took his visits. Well, he took his visits. He, he committed to Longhorn. And then when Mac Brown stepped down. What's his first name? John. John, John Bonnie. He said to, I think, Channel 13, ABC, right. ABC 13, he kind of got his words twisted saying that Mac Brown would, would help any of the would be recruits who committed to the Longhorns if they decided to leave, that he was leaving. And people just took that and ran with it and said, oh, Mac wants, Mac turned against the Longhorns, don't want, don't, doesn't want kids to come to, to this program. Yeah, and that's and not what, that's not what he said at all. But, you know, anyway, he Come stayed on. true to his commitment right. and going to the Longhorns. Wish him well. Wish all the HSD kids especially well. He's going to go to the Longhorns. I will. It's good. And this is going to be my last part on UT. High school coaches in the state of Texas, you can be spiteful if you want to. Charlie Strong ain't going to wait on you. He's already laid down the law. Oh, yeah, he's he closing the borders. 
You know, he already made the statement now the two, oh, a couple of weeks ago about now everybody's going to be going to class. I'm hiring people on staff. That's going to be their job. As a couple of high school coaches and a couple of programs, I'm not happy about that because they've been accustomed to getting their way. And we all know that. Yeah, we have. Oh, yeah, we, that could be a whole I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm, cutting it, I'm cutting it loose right now. Yeah, that could be a whole other podcast. Now you got right a, new, a new staff in town. Mm-hmm. I meant what I said. Yep. He's going to lay down the law. And trust me, your butt's going to be gone. And he took he took a little dig at uh, Coach Sumlin, oh. a little bit on your, on your little swag talking about the stars and stuff. But he said, we're not going to. We're not going to win with gadgets. Well, we're we're going to win because we're at the University of Texas. We are the doors flagship. are open for us because we are Texas. We are the flagship. We are the flagship. Oh, the flagship. About I love it. Oh, it's yeah. interesting. I work with two of the young guys that actually work with Texas A&M. And I'm proud of the work they did, social media capital. I'm actually helping them because they want to open some doors to other to some other institutions in marketing. I think they did a yeoman job, but that's shots across the bar because I know exactly what they're talking about in terms of some of the social media platforms. Right. And the two young brothers that did that uh, were very influential in terms of them uh, being ranked with a top five class in terms of all the rankings when you aggregate Correct. the data. Uh, some obviously as high as three, low as six. Right. But when you pull it all together, you can say a consensus. Right. Top five class. And so... Uh, It'd be interesting to follow. I like that. It, it, you know, it makes it a little more entertaining. Gives us something to talk about. The, the other but thing the sad about thing that is they're not going to play on the field. So, you know, they can no, talk back and forth in the media and all that stuff. And they well, want, if they do know. what they're supposed to, you know. Well, we they should. They, can have, for, they should get back to we it. We can always wish for a championship. Well, you know. They, they yeah, can happen that's, that's true, too. Can we can see that where, what where you it have means the most. Basically, what you have <laughs> now a is trophy. the SEC <laughs> against the Big 12, and we know how that turns out. That's, and that's that's yeah. fine with me. But you know, we talked about they want to get a little bit more, a little bit more specific about the coups, signings. Our uh, colleague Joseph Duarte has a little bit of saying that the six defensive linemen that the Cougs signed averaged six four, two sixty seven. The three offensive linemen averaged six four, two ninety one. And the four wide receivers are listed at 6'3 or taller. Okay. And they all have speed. And they signed, Cook signed 10 players listed in the Chronicles Top 100. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's but definitely. I'm not going to sugar, you know, like a dance backtrack from my well, statement about ranking. You know, well, they get out on the field. You got to see them. You got to get in class. You got to pass. You got to do all the kind of things. Yeah. And it's we'll still up to the coaches well, now, to we'll coach them up. Because well, well, that's one thing that, that people overlook, especially the fans, will be how many of these signees redshirt. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see the redshirt. I'm saying I'm talking about the ultimate measure to me is in three to four years right. where you see what they class did. But you're right, you'll get a quick evaluation based on what comes out this fall in terms of those that are able to make it and not have the redshirt. And then we'll actually see what I call some early impact players. I always like to ask the coach, uh, give me some indication of some players that you believe may have the opportunity to be impact. Those are great guesses, but they do all the homework. Sure. They should have been able to provide me some of that uh, thought process. I'll get to you on PV and TSU in a second. But, for example, like Alabama and their their signees, probably 20 of them were redshirt. 20 of you said 27? Yeah. Were redshirt. This year, you won't even see them. Right. And if you're a program like Alabama, you shouldn't have to exactly. worry about your five, six stars. You might get one or two 
that can come in and determine they're going to play and really be an impact. You might have five that actually play, but you would love to redshirt them players, get them in the weight room, get them conditioned to your program, get them academically Practically. prepared to make it through your program. Because let's tell this also about the SEC that a lot of people don't like to talk about. They take the SEC t- takes props, and they take a lot more chances. Right. Which is fine when you're a program like LSU, Alabama, to some degree, maybe even A&M, uh, South Carolina State, when you have the cupboard full for most of your positions, you have an ability to allow them a chance to kind of cultivate and get prepared to condition in terms of what it takes to be a student at the collegiate level. Go ahead, Doc. Yeah, let's get into some of the HBCU. We take a, a breakdown and look at the HBCU. Let's focus on two of them around our area, Texas Southern University, and then we'll move on to Prairie View. What I'll focus on, obviously, because although, you know, we were respected nationally, you know, we concentrate a lot of our talk in terms of this Texas, which a lot of our listeners and fan base are a part of. So let's look at Willie Hobby uh, for Texas. He's out of the Garland, Texas area. Uh, he's a two-star athlete for Texas, even since we're talking about star rankings. He's supposed to be athletic, so that's another guy from Texas. One that's a little uh, also out of Texas, I'll start here first, is C.J. Edison. He's a running back. I didn't mention uh, the guy that's 6'1", 185, Willie Hobby, is a defensive back uh, out of Garland, Texas. C.J. Henderson is a running back, 5'10", 190, uh, out of Odessa, Texas, and all this doesn't make, but he's uh, European-American guy, so they got some diversity in there in terms of the quality of the running back. He had a game where he actually rushed for six touchdowns in terms of showing you what he may be able to do. Wow. That's the next level. What's, what, how big is he? Uh, he's 5'10", and that's probably why a lot of the other programs. You said 190? Yeah, 190. Strong young man. Yeah. You know, yeah. And in that district, that's a hard district. Yeah. As Abilene, Premier, wow. A lot of folks. And they believe he's very versatile running back, which explains what you're talking about. Uh, has a high football IQ. And so they're excited about what he did. He was actually a state Texas player of the week uh, one time. That game where he had those six touchdowns, as you can imagine. One that brings us a little closer back to this area, pretty solid program in this area, is they got a uh, Kaylin Coxey, offensive lineman 6'3", 225, from Manville, Texas. Uh, so they're excited about what they were able to do in terms of him playing the guard position. He played maybe some tackle, too. Uh, he comes to the program, and obviously he's from a winning program, and what you're doing with Texas rebuilding because of what took place with the sanctions or whatever, you like to have, uh, if you would, somebody that you believe you can uh, rebuild your program around. So as we look a little closer in terms of Prairie View, Prairie View was able to get uh, a couple of more kids out of the state of Texas so, um, obviously, sometimes you have that in terms of uh, issues with uh, Texas Southern in terms of a lot of the Texas kids that do qualify tend to want to, particularly out of the Houston area, also want to go outside of the area. So, sometimes that's the issue there when you look at going that point. And then, when you talk about Prairie View, they had uh, about 10 kids. They got a lot more about a Dallas-Fort Worth. Metroplex area in terms of some quality kids from that area in terms of what they were able to do. So those are some things that you want to look at there. Interesting enough, as we kind of close out with HBCUs in terms of the football monster, they did name the MEAC SWAC Challenge. That's going to be between Alabama A&M or the SWAC and North Carolina A&T out of the MEAC. Well, obviously A&T, coached by Broadway, formerly of Grandma State when he was over here for a little while to, to give you a framework of what uh, taking on there. 
that should be interesting to some people. So that's some of the big news there. Prairie View did release their uh, football schedule at this point. It's 10 games. One of the biggest things that has the talk of the town between HBC folk is they're going to bring Southern, which is Prairie View's home game. Yes, sir. They're going to bring them to campus. I yes, saw that. You know, yes, that, sir. that's huge. I like that. Literally, that's huge because that, that's the last they, last season of Blackshire Field Stadium. And exactly. And that right. was one of the rationales about it, uh, kind of closing down the stadium as they will start to do the rebuilding, uh, renovation, if you would, of Blackshire in October. So um, it, it's about an 18-month project. So next year they will play a lot of the games away and we'll play some of them in the high school. There's some questions where they're going to play some of these games, obviously. Uh, but uh, because of that inconvenience, they thought it was important to the fans to kind of reward them for staying with them in terms of facility. Also, the coach loves the idea of getting Southern you know, on that field, it is what it is in terms of the stadium, bringing in some maybe chairs, but it's still your home field. Right. And you want to get Southern right here so you can take it, hopefully take advantage of that. So, so that's some things with the uh, John Merritt Classic that's going to be between Bama State and Tennessee State. Should be interesting there. So, so big time uh, sweat games in terms of what we can look at, APC matchup for the year in terms of what you're looking at. In terms of the signees and early season football, and PV is hosting is the host of Labor Day Classic. It's going to be a Reliant. I'm glad you mentioned that. I did leave that out. So they shift back from BBDA. Mm-hmm. We'll move back to Reliant. Also, the note is that is a Sunday kickoff, uh, which is a little usually used to be Saturday right. for a while. In the past, they've had it on Sundays, and they've had some games on Sundays where it worked out really well. Uh-huh. Be interesting with the brand changes and people changing with different opportunities to see if that will continue to work as it did in the past. But one of the big things about that, I think it's interesting that the listeners may be interested in knowing is the fact that Reliant went after the Prairie View because they wanted to get some more people back into Reliant in terms of that game being moved to BBV8 and it's Texas Southern's game. Uh, which was last year. So they actually paid Prairie View to move the game back in to Reliant. It's called Relevance. So it's called one of those schools knows what they're doing. Called Relevance. In terms of marketing relevance. and promotion. That's what it's called. Uh, TSU uh, released their football schedule. Uh, as we mentioned, Prairie View will be the uh, season opener. And if they have... Tigers will have six home games at BBVA Compass Stadium. Open up, wow, just four days after playing Prairie View, they're playing Texas College at BBVA on September 4th. That's a Thursday. Um, then they have they go to Central State in Ohio. Then on the 20th, have Alabama A&M here. Then the following week, Alabama State on the 27th. Then Valley here at BBVA. October 4th, take a week off. They go to Alcorn on the 18th of October. Homecoming is going to be against Pine Bluff, Arkansas Pine Bluff on October 25th. They got Grambling State at home on November 1st. They go to Baton Rouge for Southern on November 8th. Then the 15th, November 15th, close it out at home with Jackson State. So that's, that's a, that's a decent schedule. It's a pretty good schedule. We'll get all that later on once we get into the football season and stuff. Yeah, we'll go in there. One thing I want to move before we start to move on with basketball, I'd be 
Uh, reluctant if I didn't get that with the Texas Southern signing those 14 players plus four mid year. Mm-hmm. you did sign 17 with uh, seven of them being for Texas. One kid out of Waco, Texas, my home city there, so I give a little shout out. Least to him, James Hopper, defensive tackle, six foot, 300 pounds. But uh, kind of some things to look Six foot, to. 300 pounds? Yeah, big boy. So he just he's, a, it up. he's wide. He's, he's wide. He's, he's a three, four. He's middle man in, in that defensive front. Okay. Just sit him there. <laughs> so you, you can't get through. You might have to go around. Before, yeah, before we shift gears and talk about college basketball, uh, Thursday evening the NBA made some announcements as far as their all-star Saturday festivities coming up in New Orleans. I'm not going out in the plot for credential, even though I know I, I would have been accepted. But anyway. Um, but I would have. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I've been, I was going to say you wouldn't have. To, clear, you yeah, wouldn't have. Would, I would have been accepted. Let me be clear on that. And, and talk, touch on that. We're probably going to put it out there, out, out and about, put it on radio, internet, airwaves, hoping to be approved to cover the SWAC when it comes to, to uh, Toyota Center in March. Out of, out of all of And if not, I'll be at the Southland in Katy at the Merrill Center. So one of... If not both, I'll be at one for sure. I know that for a fact. You know, it, I, I agree with you because for whatever reason, that's the only one I'm unsure. The swack. Ain't that something? The swack. Three black folks that, that cover. Cover. Probably give more more attention and love and respect to the swack. And we and may it, not get a shot. And may not get approved. But it, that's it. That's something else. Anyway. Okay. And we will do with it. Yes. All right. Uh, we have... Let's let's get into the fun stuff because I this was interesting to me in the NBA's slam dunk competition. They're doing something different. Hopefully, it'll be better. Tell me what you think about this in the press release here. Uh, if I can find it. All right. For the first time, it's going to be teams East versus West, three on three on each side, and it's going to be oh. I, I, when I get done with this, I'll ask Doc about his opinion about the new sponsor of the Pelican Arena, Smoothie King. Smoothie King, yes. The Pelicans will be playing their home games in the Smoothie King Center. Yes. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, the competitors are the six competitors for the East. Paul George of the Pacers, defending champion Terrence Ross of the Raptors, and John Wall of the Wizards. On the West, Harrison Barnes of the Warriors, Damian Lillard of the Blazers and Ben McLemore of the Kings. What? Ben McLemore went from being a star at Kansas. I forgot he's in the league until I saw him play against the Rockets a few weeks ago. Um, but anyway, with the format, listen to this. Now, this is kind of interesting. Three players representing the East, three representing the West, in an above-the-rim two-round format. The competition will tip off with a freestyle round where the dunkers for each conference will have 90 seconds to showcase as many dunks as they want. I hate that already. That idea sucks. At the conclusion of the round, the panel of judges will then choose a winner by voting east or west. The winning conference will earn the advantage of deciding whether its dunkers will dunk first or second in the head-to-head battles that take place in the battle round. The battle round will feature head-to-head matchups pitting East Dunkers versus West Dunkers, with the judges choosing a winner for each battle. This seems like a lot to do about nothing. Upon losing a head-to-head battle, that dunker is eliminated from the competition. The first team to win three battles will win the competition and be crowned slam dunk champions. 
That sounds horrible. That sucks. That, that just sounds sucks. horrible. Now, long, what kind of boring. Marketing, what kind of marketing plan was that? I mean, L- literally, what, it, what kind of marketing plan was that? Who's sponsoring? Who's sponsoring? Sprite, that? Sprite Slam Dunk oh. Contest. They would have done better by doing the N one crew. It. See, I've already literally, 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 literally. The best dunk comp- competitions are in a gym, in a high school gym, where the players can throw the ball off the wall. Mm-hmm. I've seen those, and those are a lot of fun. But you got some creativity when you got the guy throwing balls off the wall, high, low, bounce pass, whatever. That's some creativity. In the open NBA arena, you lose that. You just it just takes away from it, and you got 90 seconds to dunk as many times as you want. I mean, you can miss. Eight dunks in 90 seconds. I, that's what uh, A. Robinson did when he was in here in Houston at the All Star and, and won. He missed like 15 dunks and still won a competition. I thought that was just garbage. Yeah, they're trying to find you a know. way to Each save year, it, but it's yeah, not going to work. It gets worse and worse. Well, it's simple. You're not getting the best. Yeah, LeBron's not in it. Popular you know, LeBron, Blake's not in it. Blake Griffin's not in it. So it's, it's just not as good as it used to be. All right, so now we got. Um, the Shooting Stars competition, I think this also features a legend, NBA legend, current NBA star, and then a WNBA all-star. Uh, I know this is not as thrilling as it used to be, but Wildcats talked about this uh, prior to our starting it. For the East, Team 1, Tim Hardaway Jr. of the Knicks, his pop, old man Tim Hardaway Sr., who I saw in town scouting the SMU U of H men's game. Yes, that is correct. He's a scout. And Elena Deladon of Chicago Sky of the WBA. Team two, Chris Bosch of Miami, Dominic Wilkins, the legend, and the lovely Swin Cash. Can I say that without being sexist? No, but whatever. It's our podcast. Swin Cash <laughs> of the Chicago Sky. On the West, team one, Steph Curry of the Warriors, his pop, Dale Curry, and then the lovely Becky Hammond, the mix sister now. I'm not welling back up. I didn't say it. I lay them down. down to oh yeah, yeah. And then Becky Hammond of San Antonio Star. Now that's a, that, that's a shooting crew. That. She's, that's a she's shooting a crew. Shooter. That, that, that's a light shot right there. That's a shooting crew. That. Yeah, that's that's a shooting. Then we right talk about there. some shooters. Team two: Kevin Durant, the Slim Reaper. I like the nickname Slim Reaper. He doesn't really like it, but hey, all I know right like all it. I know right Slim now Reaper. he he is the Grim Reaper. Yeah, because he's grimming up folks right now. Carl, up folks. Legend is Carl Malone, and then from the WNBA. Very lovely, Scarlett Diggins from Tulsa Shock, who's doing a fine job doing her little TV reporting analyst reporting side for ESPN. Doing a good job doing that. First thought was doing a good job interviewing uh, Doug McDermott from Creighton, who will be the Player of the Year in the NCAA. In my boat anyway. But I get I, I digress. Well, conclude? Did you sneak that in? Yeah. My opinion, that young man is that young man is a beast. He's 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 nice. He's something I'm else. I'm saying in general, do you think? Oh, yeah, I think he, oh well, no. Uh, but to me, yeah, I mean, other guys. I mean, you talked about it off podcast. Sean now we see where your vote. Sean Kirkpatrick, Cincinnati is a player of the year in the in the conference of the American Athletic Conference. Right. Um, freshmen are doing well. Some freshmen are doing better than other people thought. Charlie Ennis from Syracuse is just surpassed. Everybody Andrew Wiggins at, at all his hype at Kansas. Heck, Wiggins teammate Joel Embiid is a past Wiggins, you know, as a number one pick. And he, I'm telling you, I don't say this often, mm-hmm. but 
Joel Embiid, seven-footer, only been playing ball for about three or four years. He is the closest thing I've seen to Akeem Olajuwon in 30 years. Now you're now you going to make me actually watch a, a Big 12 game. You need to watch young He's fella. Nice you got, he got you want, footwork. I don't have the expertise. I'm Christian serious. He's making an analysis. Last time he woke me up in the middle of I'm serious. With, a, with a phone he's, call. He's nice. He he's got the footwork. He can run. He can defend. He's block shot. I mean, so basically, he loves playing in a a center. Position. He's a center. Yeah, he's a traditional. He's a center, but he 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 does shoot from outside, but he, he doesn't live out there. But I mean, footwork wise, he got it going on. Oh yeah, he's good on his feet. I'm on his feet. So Joel Embiid, I'm telling you. And then I think this week he said that it's not a foregone conclusion that he's going to declare for the draft. Oh. He said he might return for a sophomore year, which I think shook some NBA teams to the core. Because <laughs> he's, he's the number one pick in the draft right now. He's passed up the, the forward and the wing. Because he's we, him up. the three of us all know centers are not a diamond dozen. He is a center. So, but we'll see. so look, look for him. Wildcat watching Kansas games. Tell me what you think about him. Especially when you get close to tournament play, common tournament, you can watch uh, Kansas. And we get on to other stuff. I'm, let me name the uh, three-point competition as well, tie, tie it all up here, and then get into uh, the Longhorn basketball, who are doing well, surprisingly, because we're going to tie them in to the Cougars' struggles there we go. this year. But the three-point competition, I think this is going to be a lot of fun here. Another East versus West, I don't know why they're doing this. Hell, but on the East, Aaron Aflalo, Orlando, he's the assistant, still should be. But anyway, Bradley Beal, Wizards, Kyrie Irving of Cleveland, Cavs fired the GM today after the Cavs lost to the Lakers, who had four players. Thank goodness. Smart. Five, well, I mean, four players, really, because guys got hurt, guys fouled out, had to keep one guy on the floor, and they thought he got was a technical foul because teams cannot play with four players. In the right. NBA. So, I mean, they were just shorthanded and the Cavs just lost the Lakers. The Kobeless, I mean, just whatever. That's a whole other issue. Now, we're going to get there when you get done. Joe Johnson of the, of the Nets, rounds out the East squad. On the West, Marco Bellinelli, Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard, and Kevin Love. Yes, six foot ten, Kevin Love, shooting in three-point contest, and he might win the thing. I don't know if he's going to beat Steph Curry, though, because Steph Curry, he gets rolling for him. He, he is something to see. He is truly something to see. But to see Steph Curry and Damian Lillard in two events on Saturday would be kind of interesting to me if they get tired in one or the other and right. that'll affect, impact them. Now, getting back to the Cleveland situation, how did that just come off the rails? I mean, literally. Well, drafting Anthony Bennett at number one pick, he's been a bust. That, that didn't help. Uh, and, and the worst part about it is you have an owner that should, should be smarter than that, but for whatever reason, he's allowed this to just this, the, the cliff and all this, this, everybody's jumping off the cliff. I Literally. How you measure he's so smart other than him being able to generate revenue, but in terms of the basketball, I'm not sure where you got that. And let me backtrack. Damon Little is in all three contests. He's in the dunk contest, three-point contest, contest, and the skills contest. So I'm not sure how long, how much he's going to be. He should be on all of them. He'll be in the all-star game, too. So it's good to be young. So I like to say, my goodness. But anyway. Cavaliers returning us into a non-Houston podcast. We can do that. We're good at what we do. We're diverse. So we're tied to the Rockets and the Cougars. Don't worry, because I'm going to light my Cougars up in just a few moments. But, yeah, Chris Grant, the GM for the Cavs, got fired today. Cavs were expected to get to the playoffs, just like my woeful 
Pistons, who should be should probably should do Marge as well. Which is not hard in the East. But yeah, in the East is awful. But he drafted Anthony Bennett, number one pick, bust. Uh, signed Andrew Bynum, who they ended up cutting because Bynum ended up, if you want to believe rumors, getting friendly with one of the coaches' wives. And then Bynum also said that uh, he just no longer played care about basketball, waived him, and then now Bynum signed with the Pacers to back up Roy Hibbert. So, wow. So there you go there. But he did trade for Lowell Dang. So that was a good move. But the kicker was last night, I mean, the Cavs are, are 16 and 33, 16 losing streak. Last night lost to, to the just woeful injury defeated Lakers with the final straw. But the, it's not a. This shows you where the owner is thinking. He promoted the assistant GM as new GM. So clearly, there, I think, think there was a personal kind of issue there. Right. It wasn't much a personnel difference. David Griffin is now the acting general manager. So there wasn't uh, philosophical if you if you're gonna keep it in house and just promote from within. So we'll see how all that goes. But going back to to uh, college basketball, Longhorns, Longhorns beat Kansas uh, last Saturday in Austin. Big win, and huge win. They're now pretty much think, dominated yeah. that game from start to finish. And they're like 15 or so in the top 25 now, which has surprised a lot of folks because they lost. A lot of we thought talented players from last year's dead team. weight. They were they dead were, weight. They were talented. They were talented, but there's dead people weight. and and which gets to your point in terms of what you're saying. Dead weight. You can be talented, and we starting to see this as we bring it back full circle in terms of Texas Southern University. You can be talented, but if you can't get people to play together as a team, and they have other alternatives, right? Or, yeah. Motive. As they say, hidden agenda. It doesn't work. And, uh, that's, and that's that's what happened. They lost those kids left. The kids on this year's squad bought into the team philosophy, not complaining about minutes. They're playing defense. And that's the key. That's the key. And they're winning right ball now. games. Yeah, they are athletic and long too. And you have to give them credit. Give Coach Barnes credit for what he's done. Because um, he had one foot out the Because he, 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 oh, he yes. sure did. Trust me. That day when Mac left, that question came up. I mean, it was mentioned loud. He said he was right there. And, you know, and it, I, I go back to that because, I mean, it was on everybody's mind. and Fairly so. You know, at, at some point. With all the resources you, he you had. You got you to make, make a move. And bottom line, Steve Patterson was brought in to monitor, coach, Make coaching change. That's what he was brought in to do. Not to raise funds. That wasn't his job. And he really, he, he is a legit sh- candidate for coach of the year. He, he really is. Mick Corner, Cincinnati. What they're doing at, in Cincinnati with the Bearcats. Mm-hmm. And let me say this. Say it. Say it. For those who have not seen the video on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, Houston Round Bar Review. All right, Tom. Or College Sports Report. College Sports Report. After the Bearcats edged the Cougars here in Houston, uh, Mick Cronin said that when he was on the staff, Bob Huggins' staff, let's turn the flow over. He said to us, point blank, he coveted the Houston job 
in the 90s when he was on Huggins' staff. He coveted the job. And then he cited players in Houston area that he recruited and signed, including Waltrip's own <clears throat> Field Williams, who helped the Bearcats all four years he was there. But I want my Cougar alums to hear me. Let me repeat it one more time. You can go to YouTube, Houston Round Ball Review channel. Hold on. Chris, you have the floor. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Doc. He said, I coveted the Houston job. When he said that, I perked up. I'm sure the Wildcat perked up. I don't think the folks, other media, See, that was the in key. there with us that in the postgame. Didn't, didn't, didn't hear. It didn't register what, what they heard. For a young up-and-coming coach who's now, Bearcats are ranked seventh in the country. At the time, it's a great staff working with Coach Huggins to come down here and say he coveted the Houston Cougar job and was passed over. Speaks volumes on so many levels. But And now add, fast forward to now. No, add, add, add what he said afterwards. He made one other statement. I know where every little corner, dive, sidebar, restaurant, he knows, he knows the, the area. He knows the neighborhood. He loves. He, he didn't loves, say he loves coming city. down Houston he to said visit in to the recruit. Neighborhood, I know where to go and find players here. That is what he said. Wow. And still, as my compadres mentioned, nobody registered with that except for he and I, because nobody understood what he just said, because it went right over their head. Nobody asked another. Well, I take that back. There's some more questions asked, but it was like. It wasn't uh, about that. It wasn't about that. Because they didn't understand it. They didn't understand it. Which is your point in terms of what's wrong with that on so many different levels. And it's, yeah, I won't get into all the other things that kind of bother me about it, but it bothered me that the fact that that hasn't been a, a bigger issue in town with my fellow alums, especially because Coach James Dickey is on the hot seat. The Cougars lost Wednesday night on Guy V. Lewis night. It was awesome to see Hoffman's almost capacity, 7,200, I think, was the final attendance. It was just fantastic to see the student section overflowing. Truly, it was overflowing. I mean, it, it played well on television. It was standing in the aisles. There were so many folks over there. But the Cougars came out, first half, got punched in the mouth, as Tayshawn Thomas told us after the game, and they didn't respond. They trailed by 19. 45-26 at the half. Both teams had nine turnovers. But Louisville turned the, the Cougars turnovers into 18 points, whereas the Cougars only turned Louisville's turnovers into four. Second half, Cougars played better. Played defense. They competed, but only got as close as nine points and lost by 15. My write-up, you can check it out. Uh, HoustonRoundBarView.com from the main page. You scroll down and, and see it there. It's also on the blog, the Menthus blog post as well. But the video is uh, in my game article section of the Round Bar Review, HoustonRoundBarView.com. That loss follows the 23-point butt whooping they, the Cougars received on the road at Rutgers. Gave up 93 points to Rutgers. Rutgers was averaging, I believe, 70 points, 74 points coming into the to the, that game, they had 46 at halftime. So defense, as Wildcat and I have said, all season and before the season started, defense was a problem. Defense was a problem that Coach Dickey was concerned with. 
there'll been a problem. I don't know what it is. And this is what I want to talk to. Because I'm not even going to get into the ass whooping that UConn put on the Cougars last Thursday night on the road. That this was really just awful. And I quote. But it was ugly. And I quote, to his credit, whether he meant for to say it, Mike was open, Mike was hot. Steve Lapper said after the game, that was this awful. This was awful. Awful. And he put emphasis on awful. In, in that video, I think I have on, it's on my fan blog of Round Bar Review as well. You can listen to that. Cause, um, and there has been no slight of suspension. Nope. A comment from the American or anybody else about what he said. Mm. That's how bad that was. Because it was like everybody it's, saw the that. The Cougs scored 43 points in the game at Connecticut, lost by 37. So they lost by 37 at UConn, followed by 23 at Rutgers. They've lost five in a row to follow three and seven in the American. They have Temple on Saturday, excuse me, on Sunday, February 9th, tip at 1 o'clock. We'll see what they say. After the game, Coach Dickey credited the student section and the fans for their turnout, but he said, we have to do better. We, as meaning the team and the staff, we have to play a full 40 minutes. We have to get the W. He said prior to the game, you know, earlier this week they had the two best practices, like the players finally bought in to what he was trying to say. He wasn't, he didn't sugarcoat it and say he was happy for a moral victory because you don't get those in, in college basketball. But he was satisfied with how they practiced this week. And Tayshawn Thomas said the same thing. I've said this, and this I want to get you gentlemen's thoughts on this. The Cougars have talent. I believe that. I see it. They do. It's not perfect. Not a perfect team. Anything like that. But they have talent. They have enough talent to be better than 11 and 12 overall and 3 and 7 in the America. James Dickey's going to get fired. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But at what point does some of the blame lie fall on the player? I think now. I literally, I think now. Because if, you're midway in the season, and at some point. You, as, as a player, a true player, you should step up and say, it's time for a player, a team meet. And something needs, and, and everything needs, needs to be said. And if, if somebody's feelings get hurt, somebody's feelings get hurt. But right now, that's where you are. You're in the middle of the season and you are not, it's like the wheels have come off and the wagon is just sitting, you know, on the ground. Somebody's dragging. It should be a players-only meeting, and everything should be brought out. Because from what I see, there is no flow, no chemistry, no continuity. Guys are kind of like in their own world, and they, some of them need to sit. and need to sit and watch. And I'll – go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, I'd love to chime in on this. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. I, I'm going to respectfully disagree. And hopefully, once I give my reason, that you may think maybe just slightly differently. And I think the passion that which you speak on is right on the money. And if this was professional, I would be with you 110%. But this is college. This is where the coaches get paid a great deal of money. Uh, when you look at the point, this is where the coaches recruit the players. So... You can recruit talent, and we just talked about it earlier. You have a great deal of talent. 
but it's up to the coach to understand his scheme, his lead, what he's trying to do, and not only just bring in talent, but bring in talent that is going to fit a scheme such that he can put players together to play together, play well enough to get some things done. So, no, I'm not going to put this on the players. I think they have responsibilities in terms of coming to practice. I think they have responsibility to go to class. I think they have responsibility to make the grades to make sure they maintain the eligibility. After that, again, I put it on the players. I mean, I put it on the coaches. i make that clear. I put it on the coaches. I put it on the academic staff to make sure they do what's correct in terms of marking these players and their program properly such that everything can be in place. So, no, I'm not going to put a great deal on the players in terms of what is done on the court as long as you can tell me that they're playing hard. Retort? Well, I heard you. Makes a lot of you got some valid points, as you say. Thank you. But my love of my eyesight, I guess, and my man, uh, my mindset has always been about hard work. Need to put some effort in. So you don't think they're playing hard? I don't think they're playing hard. The one thing that I do notice, KG has mentioned earlier, and we've mentioned it all season, it is the way they put effort into defense. It's not that. It's not, well, I'll put it like this. It's not enough. They don't make stops when they need to. And for whatever reason. So you believe the coaches put them in position and calling a defensive assignment that they should be able to make stops? They should be able to make stops. That's talent on this squad now that to make stops. No, I didn't ask you that. We, we've already said there's talent. I'm yeah. asking you the question. Do you believe that the coach has fundamentally put them in position to make stops, calling defensive plays right. to allow them to be successful. And you think they're not successful, not because of what has been done on the coaching side, but because they're not putting forth the effort to get done what the coaches suggest. On the player side. To be teams, or at least be respectful right. in terms of what's going on on yes. the court. I disagree with, with this point. I believe... The defense, the style is all wrong. I don't think they don't press enough. They don't trap enough. They don't get after full court enough. They had enough depth before they got hurt to go 10-11 deep and get after folks 94 feet. They have enough athletes to do that. That's how I thought they played before the season started. Because that's a, that's a surefire way to get minutes, make everybody happy. You bust your behind, trapping full court, get tired, I got a sub, just rotate you in and out, or we're going to run folks to death and trap them into submission and get them off the floor and say, you come to offense, you're going to leave with a loss. That's what I thought they were going to play. They go 8D, whatever now. I don't understand that. The horrid Three-point defense has been consistent throughout the season. Teams have lifted them up from the three-point line all season long. That's coaching. They have made adjustments. They're going to make adjustments from the first half to the second half. They don't switch it. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to tell the players to switch, go under the pick, go over the pick, help here, help the helper. I don't know what it is because it ain't working. 
Coach Dickey says after each game, it's on me. I got to figure out a way. It's not like Gary Kubiak post game. I listen to my, my football colleagues say it's on me. I got I got to figure this out. Yeah, yeah. So it's true. I, you know. So so saying all that, saying you know the three and seven in, in the American. I've said this before. The chemistry is not there. I'm not going to name names. I saw players after the game who were not happy because they did not play a lot last night. And I think he should have. Because you said earlier, Wildcat, a few moments ago, if they're not getting the job done, they should sit. That's a coach. I believe in that. See, that, that see that's a coach. I believe in that. That's a coach. That's a coach. If a kid's not busted, but I don't care how many stars you have in high school. I agree with you. If you don't bust your behind here, come, come over with me. Sit right next to me. If you don't like it, sit down if, there. If your parents don't like it, if your friends, family don't like it, you then leave. You, go home. you leave. I don't, you yeah. know. And trust me. If you don't like it, you I, can sit at the you end of the I, yeah. I, if I your parents don't like I it, witness, they can come take you. I witness. This, 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 and I think that was my watershed moment. Parent, hollered out to the kid. Call a timeout. Y'all getting beat. Y'all had six possessions. Nobody scored. And they just started beating y'all down. Call a timeout. Y'all tired. His kid. In the middle of the floor, calls a timeout. Coach turns around and looks at him, what the hell? Who called a timeout? It was like Portland with, with Buck Johnson when he's, woo! I, and Coach said, who called a timeout? Walked over there and Buck said, I did. We needed to sit down. Nobody's out there knowing what the hell they doing. That came in over the TV. I was right there and I was like, oh yeah. But that's different to talk to a pro player that understands this game. And some parent and some kid that don't have a clue. I agree. You know, it's not my fault that you get beat down like that on a high school level. But damn it, when I said put some effort in, I mean put some effort in. See, that's see, you're making our point as well as your own point. If kids, these kids have talent. It's up to them to play hard and compete. But if they don't, they need to be sat down. So I, I, you you know, I don't. I don't care if you, if your dad, who your dad is. I agree. Sit down. I'm trying to win for the program. I'm trying to win for my job. I'm trying to win for the fans. All these other things. If you're not happy, because and I've said the names of the, these kids who've been hurt, because you U of H beat Connecticut on New Year's Eve, and those kids were not playing. There you go. U of H was two and zero without those kids in the conference. Matter of fact, in those the kids got healthy and started playing and starting now. So you know who I'm talking about without naming their names. They you lost go. five in a row. The defense has gone to crap. Chemistry has gone to crap. The rotation, the offense is all crap. So don't, you know, and I'm not, and I really would hope the friends, runners, parents of those kids come talk to me. And I'll just say, look, if you want your, your kid to shine, go somewhere else. But if you want the team to win, he needs to buy into the system. Thank you. Just sit down. That, this should not be a debate. The numbers don't lie. You know, if you're numbers not, don't lie. If you're not happy, leave. And I, y'all both know, and listeners know, I am not a Longhorns fan. But I respect them. Those kids last year left. Longhorns are better off addition by subtraction. You said that earlier. Yep. So if certain kids this year aren't happy, 
and they happen to leave, and next year's team is better without them, fine. That means the correction was done. Exactly. <laughs> All right, Rockets beat Phoenix last night. Love this. 122 to 108. After beating Cleveland 106 92, the Rockets have won four in a row. Uh, 97-90 over the Spurs, won a two-point game over the Mavericks last Wednesday, and then beat the Cavs by 14, part of the Cavs' 16 losing streak, and beat the Suns 122 to 108. And Dwight Howard was dominant in that game. He's looks like he's more comfortable in the post. He's Carol Dawson's tutelage is, is helping him out, and Dwight's more comfortable and he's more confident, and he's reacting instead of thinking when he gets the ball. So that's a good thing. But I want to touch on two things before we wrap it up here. Few years ago, uh, maybe last week, Chandler Parsons made a comment that the Rockets' offense flows better without James Harden on the floor. Thoughts? No comment. No comment. Now that's huge for for a player to say something about your start. Only only because it's true. Only because it's true. That team looked totally different for whatever reason with Patrick Beverly. And Jeremy Lin, Jeremy Lin who's playing well. That's, that that, that, that combination worked pretty well. Because yeah, it, what, I, it, it all boils down to what I've said before. When you can, when a guard can understand the post position and make an entry pass from the wing and get the ball to where the post player loves it, the game, the floor, the game totally changes. Because that guy gets comfortable in his spot and he can play on both sides. That's why when, uh, Penn, Ray, Penn. Ray Penn is on the floor. Yeah. Eric Murray looks like a superstar. Looks like he's ready for the lead because he knows how to make an entry pass from the wing, and it doesn't matter who's in front of him, he can get that ball to him. Excellent point. I think that's uh, that's a difficult statement by Parsons, and obviously he said it because he believes it. But uh, we know one thing about the league: the league is about stars. One of the reasons. <laughs> that you got Dwight Howard that was huge because Harden. And so now you're talking about Harden not, I mean, that you have a better quality and style of the game without Harden. That, that's amazing. And he, he, he was not, it wasn't a follow-up question asked when, when he right, made the so comment. Right, so you don't understand. So we don't know what it is. Yeah. But numbers-wise, you love this, because some folks wrote about it, I think, the day after or whatever. The numbers don't really prove Parsons' case. They don't back up Chandler's word. Okay. Um, the Rockets' offense bogs down when James Harden doesn't pass the ball. When James Harden tries to play hero ball, he plays 105. Now, when he does things like that, I think everybody would agree that the offense is not as effective and efficient when he's doing when he's in that mindset. Right. But when he's in the attack mode, penetrating, drawing the defense, kicking it to his teammates open shots, that's the Harden that everybody likes to see. Right. And when you put that framework, maybe he was trying to send a subtle message to his to his teammates. It's like, man, we need you, but we need you to play the style of ball of when you're attacking, moving the ball around, and not, as you said, playing a hero ball uh, when you isolate and, and just trying to do it by yourself. Real quick, this Saturday, On the Hill, rivalry. Big one. Prairie View and TSU, women first, they, the fellas. Will they be able to get everybody in with the with the new seating change? Yeah, it's right under 5,000. So yeah, I mean, you're talking now. about 8,000 students at uh, Prairie View. Uh, 
right under 9,000 here in Texas Southern. So just by, in terms of students, if the students decide to show up, obviously you're not going to, that is not even including alumni. So, so you're talking fire marshal making them make yeah, a move? Yeah, fire marshal going to be in the place, be in the house. So you need to get there early. Make a prediction. I know the floor seats are there. I'm going to go with Prairie View. I think uh, Both Texas of Southern. Or that's women. Oh. I know I'm going to go with uh, Prairie View on the men's side. So you're looking for a split? I'm going to go with TSU on the women's side. I think TSU women are playing really well. I think Prairie View women have bounced back and played well. Yeah. I think the game will be close. But uh, I'm going to leave with the Texas Southern women. I think they're really out to make a statement. They're getting better as the season moves on. I think they have a little more talent than what Prairie View does. So I think the coach is keeping them in the game. The Prairie View, so I'll give her credit there. I think she has rounded that team out and they're playing some good uh, team ball. But I'm going to give the edge on the women's side. On the men's side is where I see maybe a slight upset. I think there may be a little bit of trouble around Texas Southern on the men's side. They're struggling right now. They're five they're four and whack, and they, they went uh, they Oakland the, and yeah, Bama. So yeah, lost the last two Oakland, Bama, bad trip. They had a tough game that they just pulled out against Pine. Pine Bluff, they should, almost, they should have lost to, that one really. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you think about how they were playing late in that game. They found a way to pull it out and give them a lot of credit for that. And they just don't lose much at home. But even if you go back when Prairie View came over to Texas Southern early, Prairie View found a way to stay in that game. And you think maybe at home they get a couple of more shots to fall. They have played much better at home. They tend to be a three-point team that sits around the parameter, and they shoot much better threes at home to one point where they were actually leading the conference with threes before they went on the Alabama road trip and just got cold, uh, which has brought them back down. So I think they're going to shoot a little better at home, put in that position, and I think that's going to be the difference. And I think – Texas Southern is really struggling on the defensive side. And if Prairie can put up some points, get it done, uh, it might be some concern for the Tigers in terms of what's going on in their contest. So to sum it up, I'm going to go with the Prairie View men, and then I'm going to go with Texas Southern women. So I see a split. All right. And real quickly here, full capacity crowd, a lot of people talking noise. And the other thing I think is going to help Prairie View, particularly me, and I'll close it there, is the fact that what you saw that took place here in terms of that game going in overtime and going back and forth, I really think Prairie View's crowd, particularly the students that are there, they're going to be in that game. Real quick, women's basketball on the national level, Sunday afternoon, high noon, ESPN, number four, Louisville, at Number one, Connecticut. Looking forward to it. Interesting game. I'll have to watch on the laptop because I'll be at Hawfines watching the fellas and Temple. Or maybe I'm not now, no. Because the Louisville Connecticut game might be better. But. Well, I'll, I'll be in Austin at the uh, UT and Iowa State game. Uh, Iowa State is struggling right now. And that's the reason I'm going to see what's going on. Get the words directly from uh, Coach Bill Fennedy's, uh mouth. Which KD, you and I both know, he's very brutal. He is a straight, straight far. He is a straight shooter. And I'm gonna just ask that. him point blank. Will Louisville stay within twenty? Yeah, I do. I, I think so. Actually, it's not in the not in the KFC hey. Center. It's not in Louisville. Remember, remember the, the the conversation we had. I know it. I know it. Know, know what he know what he know what he said off the record, so we can't really go into specifics. Yeah. But but this is not in Louisville. True. 
This is in Connecticut. And he knows he's got to get as close. He's got to make an effort and get everything he's got as a coach and his players to get it going. Not early, but late. Because you and I both know when UConn feels that, that need to just push you around and go around you and run over the top of you, when that train gets moving, it's something else to see. The game, I'm a believer in UConn now. And, uh, had an understanding, kind of studying for a little while uh, after joining the podcast and under your tutelage. I say plus 20. And Louisville will stay close, keep it close if their threes are falling. Yeah, that's true. If, if they're I, not I, falling, Sony Simmel and, and Anthony De Slaughter and, and, the, and the crew um, got to shoot lights off from, from the three-point line. If they the, don't. The other thing is they it, can't turn it, the ball over. So that too. They just, they just, you just can't. Against UConn, that is your, that's your crux. No, I agree with you. And I, and I think you're right on the money with it. And I always think those two things are much more difficult on the road than they are at home. And that's why I said plus 20. So, you know, Tia Gibbs, that's the only one I couldn't think of her name. Tia Gibbs. Tia Gibbs in her last game for Louisville made like eight threes. I mean, she was just, they were just falling all over, all over the place for her. So, Sarah Hammond, post player for, for Louisville, has to stay out of foul trouble going against Stephanie Dolson. UConn's depth is taking a hit. Morgan Tucker's out for the season with injury. So, they're not, they don't have as many All-Americans as they had earlier, down to maybe six well, now instead of seven or eight. How many do they need? You know, to beat up on everybody else. Five. You gotta have at least five. So, but we'll see. I'm looking forward to the game. From what I've seen the last few weeks, though, the second best team in women's college basketball is Notre Dame. I don't think. It's are, are you sticking with that? Uh, Notre Dame. That that, that 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 text you sent. Are you sticking with that? Notre Dame. Yes, I believe Notre Dame can beat UConn in Nashville. I truly do. Championship game. Notre Dame can beat UConn in Nashville. The way they're playing, obviously, no injury, things like that coming in. But yes, their offense is diverse enough where the Huskies can't to kind of go back to our conversation that we had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cannot key on just one player. Gotcha. Notre Dame has enough weapons. Kayla McBride, Jewel Lloyd, two All-Americans. I got my vote. Two All-Americans. Nadia Chanoa down low. They have enough weapons. They average 80 points a game. I think the lead country. Well, not the lead country because Oregon, I believe, and Coach Westhead, his running gun style are doing that. But they're, they're the best shooting team in the country shooting about 50 50 plus percent from the field. Their offense, they have weapons all over the place. And more importantly, well, in addition, they believe they can beat UConn. And that's they, a key. They believe it. That, that's a key. And they've done it. So that's a key. Uh, hopefully, the committee will set it up where those two will, if they win in advance, will meet in the championship game and not a semifinal game. So. Got that thrown in there. Gentlemen, talk about who you are, where, where folks find you, and Doc mentioned our good news as well about your rankings. So, Yes, definitely. Uh, I'm Dr. Kenyatta Caville. I'm a professor right here at Texas Southern University over the sport management program. Uh, excited where we're going with that program. And that's kind of framework with a lot of the work that I do with the emphasis on research at HBCU. So I provide a Top 10 poll ranking. I do it for football. I do it for basketball. And I do it also for baseball. For basketball, we do it for men's and women's. And the poll is unique from the standpoint that we do a major division and a mid-major division for each of those sports. 
in that framework. The major division is for what we refer to as FCS programs, and the mid-major divisions for NCAA Division II programs, as well as NAIA Division I programs. The newest announcement we have, uh, kind of twofold, we have a new design for the podcast that we're doing that will go up as we move forward with the Facebook component. But on the Houston Round Ball Review, you can go there directly now. And on Sundays, that evening, or first thing Monday, when the poll is released for the major division of both the men's and the women's, you can see Dr. Cavill's HBCU major division top ten poll rankings right there on the Houston Round Round Ball Review. And with that, on the following day, Monday, coming out on Tuesday, you can find the mid-major division as it debuts right there on the hrr.com in terms of Houston round ball review. I'm really excited about that partnership, getting that information out. And I must say that the Virginia State women at the mid-major division are number one, and they're excited. The women, the head coach actually was looking for that post up there and showed it to the ladies. Very excited about what they're doing. So that's big as we start to spread our wings, focus, as we said, Texas, but nationally respected. I'm glad you hit it. That's my next segue. One of the local programs here in town mentioned about uh, we made some comments and all the we could so back about having a uh, tournament on the local teams and the fact that they weren't mentioned and they were on as a uh, add-on rotation, rotating in and out. They went out and won two games that weekend. You're referring to Houston Baptist, sir? Yes. <laughs> they rolled up on, on Sam Houston State and said, we ain't looking back. Yep. We didn't we Okay. If that is, I thought we did mention them. Cause we we, did. Yeah, but they were a rotation. Well, well, I don't want, well, if that's how it was mentioned, that, that is incorrect. I want HBU, U of H, Rice, and TSU to be the core of our, whatever you want to call it. Right. To, you know, we go branch out to include Prairie View, A&M, San Houston State every so often that we can't really or have them, you know. The but I want, yeah, I want those four teams playing each other every year. That's right. I want them playing every year, rotating at the venues. Oh, yeah. Sharp Gym, Hoffines, Tudor Fieldhouse, H&P, whatever, to make everybody happy. But I want those four teams playing each other on the men's side and women's side. That's the women's side because I, I believe it would help everybody. I think it would help marketing, help attendance, help keep some of the talent here in town. Once you prove that it's working and effective, that the games have talented players, good coaches, good crowds, and you can have young ladies watch, come to the games, high school players say, I want to stay in town. I want to play. I want to be part of this. There you go. It's yeah. up to those schools the administration and the marketing people to get that done, make it happen. Instead of going, playing non-conference regions, I'm not saying the, the paycheck games, but the games in Louisiana or going out of here and going to other parts of Texas, why play those? You can just play, you've got three opponents here in town. Right. And get that done. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. But thank you for listening. Uh, and I appreciate oh, that. Oh, yes. Because I, I, I was... When I went to go out to do uh, a uh, my midweek uh, 
interview, that was brought to my attention. After the fact, I was like, well, okay. That lets me know you, you all are listening. He said, oh, yeah. So I appreciate that. Wow. And, and I'm going to finish on this. UIL put out their new alignments now for uh, new realignments starting next season. The uh, 6A uh, conference will be one, uh, one, one, one division only. 5A will be one division only. Then from 4A down to 1A will be two divisions. Uh, 6A, Region 3, Cypher School District, Katy School District, HISD School District, Aldine School District. Uh, Region uh, 3, Division 1, 4A, District 11. Check this out, folks. Navasota, Fur, Sterling, Washington, Wheatley, and Sealy. Travel. We'll see how, how that lasts. Um, Region 3, Division 2, for a District 10, Jones, Cashmere, Scarborough, Worthing, and Lamarck. Wow, okay. And this uh, this is before, I heard earlier today, that HISD is considering closing five schools. Right. And Jones is one of those schools. Yeah, Jones is one of those schools. So that's a whole other issue we can talk about. But how can folks find you, sir? You can find me on the plat- media platform, internet, at blogger. Um, AKSV, the CSR, blogspot.com, Twitter, AKSV, the CSR, and YouTube, AKSV, the CSR. Folks, we're out there and about. As you've heard, we don't just do it locally. We make every effort to get it regional, statewide, national. And I, not to be a Donald Downer rather than the you know female version of that. Um, HBU women lost this evening on the road to Abilene Christian, eighty-two to seventy. Turnovers doomed them. Turned the ball over thirty times, but they shot sixty-five percent from the field. Whoa, whoa! So whoa. once they held on to the ball, yeah. they put it in the hole. But the problem was hold on to the ball enough. To pick up the victory. So, but yes, thank you very much for listening, and we will see you in the Merrill Center at the Southland Conference Tournament. Trust and believe that. They wrap up their four game road trip Saturday at Incarnate Word. Rice men, we're in the process of winning. We're not sure about the final score there, sir, unless you have a Wildcat, Mr. Hootie Hoop. I know you love the No, style. sir, don't. Okay. But if, if they win tonight, that would be a second conference win. And the one thing I can depend on, uh, Coach Braun has definitely figured out a way to not get shut out conference play. I don't know how he's getting it done, but he he got it done. Rice picked up the victory. They won. They beat North Texas 75-70. Really? North Texas. Man. Ooh. Rice, is, Rice is not that good. was last in the conference. Right. They were 16. Wow. Okay. I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com or as Doc also mentioned, www.vhrr.com. You can go to the main page and see the link to his rankings there, HBCU rankings. Glad to do that. Um, my men's hoops blog, women's hoops blog is up there as well. Links to that. Links to my game articles are there. My YouTube channel, Houston Round Ball Review. I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R-Review. Look for our Facebook page of uh, the podcast to come up hopefully this month. 
we're getting close and closer to getting that done. I want to put a date on that and, you know, box us in. But hopefully by the end of this month, we'll get that done. Sponsors, we're here for you. Get in touch with each of us, any of us, the three of us. If you want to sponsor the podcast, we appreciate it. Still my goal, one of my goals is to get sponsors for our trip to Nashville for the Final Four. Wildcat and I are already working on things, meeting folks, getting things done in Nashville. Yeah. Uh, probably arrive on Friday. And then Saturday morning will be the ESPN uh, function. function press conference briefing. All Americans. And all that will be posted. Interviews will be posted with the ESPN personalities, including Doris Burke, Carolyn Peck, and my favorite person, Rebecca Lobo. B is a great interview. It's one of our days we're in the comments. Uh, but I am KG of Houston Rombar Review, HoustonRombarReview.com. Gentlemen, you want to be pinned down for our state of our next podcast yet, or just play it by ear? We have a few things to talk about, PV and TCW hitter. You know, on Saturday, we'll talk about that in the next podcast. Yeah. See what the Cougars are going to be doing. What in there? I've got about the UH women, but hey, they're 0 11. Bless them. Folks. They're just, they're just not a very good team. And you know, the uh, train comes into town. You're going to be here on February 22nd. Buckers will be here February 11th. That's even worse. So, Coach C. Vivian Stringer will be in town. Tyler Scaife, one of the top freshmen in the country, plays for, for Rutgers. Rutgers. Rutgers only beat the Cougars by 20 at Rutgers. I think that's going to be worse on Tuesday, February 11th. So, we'll see how all that plays out. But once again, like as I stated, um, I am KG of Houston Round Bar Review. Thank you, as always, for listening. It is Black History Month, but the three of us are Black History. Black History is every day. We can celebrate it, acknowledge it, appreciate it. Three hundred sixty-five. Three sixty-five. We are we are not anti anybody. We're just pro who we are. Oh, I'm going to be on a sports panel in preview this Saturday uh, from ten forty-five to noon. Looking forward to discussing that with the. Students who are coming in from across the country to listen to the panel discussion. So uh, I appreciate the opportunity for that. I'll talk about that a little bit later on in the next podcast. Yes, side note, real quick. Connecticut train comes to town. Games at four o'clock on February twenty-second. Wrap it up. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.